BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, I'm Whitney Port and this is With Wit. A lot of you may know me from reality TV and the reality is a lot's happened since the hills. With Wit is dedicated to having real, raw, and occasionally ridiculous conversations with the people who have had a profound impact on me. Life-changing moments, life-changing people. Because on With Wit, very little is off limits. Hi everyone, welcome to Wit Wit. How is everyone? I hope that you're getting through this week in one piece. Parents, you are about to love this. I just spoke with Dr. Becky Kennedy. She's so amazing. I found her on Instagram a little while back and just felt like everything she spoke about was really easy to digest and exactly what I needed to hear from an expert. She's a clinical psychologist and mom of three named the Millennial Parenting Whisperer by Time Magazine, who's rethinking the way we raise our children. She specializes in thinking deeply about what's happening for kids and translating these ideas into simple, actionable strategies for parents to use in their homes. Dr. Becky's goal is to empower parents to feel sturdier and more equipped to manage the challenges of parenting. She recently launched a game-changing, first-of-its-kind platform. It's so awesome. It's called the Good Inside Membership. It's a dynamic parenting hub that offers Dr. Becky's complete parenting content collection, a judgment-free, like-valued community, and access to Good Inside trained experts all in one place. We talked about setting boundaries with our own personal anxieties as parents, tips for helping our kids sleep on their own at night. Bedtime is a huge thing that she is a pro on. The best ways to argue in front of kids and how to talk to them about it and so much more. To hear more from Dr. Becky, check out her weekly podcast, Good Inside with Dr. Becky and her Instagram at Dr. Becky at Good Inside. For now, here she is on With Wit. I started following you on Instagram a little while back. I think it was probably during quarantine. And I just think your little tidbits and your nuggets about parenting really, really hit home. And they are just things that every parent deals with. And I think that there is something about parenting that is universal and you just really know how to to advise people on that. So I first wanted to just dig into how you got into this, like how you got into psychology and then specifically being an expert in the parenting field. Yeah. So I've just always been fascinated by people. That's like a really simple thing to say, but it's the truth. I just find people endlessly fascinating that you know, we all have so much in common. We all in some ways are looking for the same basic things and yet we are all so different and our temperaments are different and the things that bring us joy are different and our family histories are different and our cultures are different. And and so when I realized like I could actually make a living out of getting to know people and their stories, I thought, well, that's like pretty compelling that I could spend my days doing that professionally. Mm -hmm. So... I went to Duke undergrad. I majored in psychology. And then I went to Columbia to get my PhD in clinical psychology and studied child and adult psychology there. And then after I finished my doctoral program, I really only worked with adults in my private practice and doing what I would say is like really deep, intensive, once a week at minimum, sometimes twice a week, psychotherapy, 
really heavily influenced by attachment theory, by internal family systems, by relational psychotherapy. A lot of people think I'm a cognitive behavioral therapist because I'm very, very practical and actionable, but I'm not. I just think there's a way to take these kind of deep psychological theories and translate them to make them very, very practical. Mm -hmm. And so then I had my own kids. And then I love just working with parents and kind of giving them things they could do in their home. And it was in some ways um, a little more action-oriented than some of my long-term therapy clients. And I just loved it so much. And so much that I went to get additional training in kind of parenting work. And I didn't realize it at the time. At the time, honestly, I kind of loved it. I was like, this is amazing. I can, you know, you do timeouts for this and you do sticker charts for this and you praise this and you ignore this and, you know, and you get more of the good and less of the bad. And, and this is not a joke. I literally had a session with someone where I was telling them how to give a timeout and I literally stopped. I said, I'm sorry, I'm going to give you your money back. I actually don't believe in anything I'm saying and I don't know what to tell you instead. But like, give me a couple of weeks. And they like looked at me. They're like, let me figure this out. Yeah, I was like, so like, bye, have a nice day. Because I heard myself. And then it was at that point, my oldest was then like one and a half. So I heard myself saying mm-hmm. things that I would never do with him. And I was just like, this feels so wrong. And there's no way that something that feels so wrong could be right. And honestly, what happened next, I said, well, how do I work with clients who are adults? And I really believe that every adult symptom was an adaptation in our childhood that just no longer serves us. But our body, thankfully and understandably, is hesitant to let go of the things that were put in place, you know, to help us when we were, you know, in our early wiring years. So I said, well, what if I take what I know about adults and the things that they needed and didn't get and the things they're working on now to change their lives and kind of reverse engineered that knowledge back to today's parents so that we could help kids in their early years wire and adapt in a way that actually would continue to be adaptive later on. And that's what kind of led to where I am today. So amazing. It really is such important work because as a parent, sometimes you're really searching for those words. You know, it's like you want to do your best and you have the best intentions, but you just don't always have the words And the words are really what is the most important. I mean, mirrored with the patients, obviously, but it's really hard as a parent. Sometimes I'm just like, I really just don't know what to say in this instance. And that's why I think you as a resource is so amazing. But the first thing that I wanted to get into, I know it may be a little bit of selfish, but kind of talk to you maybe about some things that I'm dealing with, obviously, in the parenting space in my life. I've had an issue with getting pregnant for the second time. So with Sunny, it was really easy. After Sunny, I had three miscarriages and I actually just went through IVF. We have four frozen embryos and I'm actually about to schedule like frozen embryo transfer number one within the next few weeks. So I have like a lot on my plate, a lot in my head right now. I'm on one hand, feeling really relieved that there's sort of like hopefully a schedule or a timeline that I can follow. But on the other hand, have this massive, massive anxiety for number two. I just don't know how anybody does it and how I will do it. And I want to know as just from someone who has one been through it and been through that transition and also someone who has experience in this, like, what can I tell myself to calm myself down? It's just like this fear I have of one, like the nausea that I had the previous pregnancy, you know, setting myself up to be like completely incapacitated and not be able to show up for my work and my family. So like the fear of that, And then just being spread completely thin. I'm just so afraid for the lack of freedom, essentially. So first of all, I really mean this. Thank you for sharing all that. And you're so, I feel like that's why so many people resonate so strongly with you. Like you're so open and reflective and it's just amazing. So a couple of things that come to mind for me. Yeah. Just even that word like anxiety and feeling anxious. We can think about anxiety in a million ways. To me, it's just what's a useful way? Like, you know, so my useful definition for me is that anxiety is an equation. So you can think like anxiety equals uncertainty plus the underestimation of our ability to cope. So I'm going to kind of break Mm -hmm. that down, Mm -hmm. right? So uncertainty is always part of anxiety because we only feel Mm -hmm. anxious about things in the future. We never feel anxious about a problem we're having. We might be struggling, but anxiety doesn't exist. It has to have uncertainty. 
And then the other side of the equation is the underestimation of our ability to cope. It can really be life-changing to start to think about anxiety with that in mind. Because mm-hmm. even here, we go into these spirals. Me too. Well, what am I going to do when I have another kid? What, what if I have to... What if I'm vomiting? What if I feel sick? And oh, I can't miss this soccer game. And I have this work. And I didn't used to have... That. We just like spiral, 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 right? Mm-hmm. So one of the things for anyone prone to anxiety, which I think is 100% of the population, so it's all yeah. of us, right? Me included, mm-hmm. is we mm-hmm. often try to reduce anxiety from the uncertainty side of the equation. We try mm-hmm. to like get rid of uncertainty. So we, sometimes we Google search things like a million times more than what's useful. You know, we've kind of mm-hmm. already exhausted the information. We think information is going to help. Or we say we set our life up in a certain way. We're like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to tell this person, by the way, if I get pregnant next week, I won't be able to go to soccer practice. So can you do carpool, right? And some amount of that, of course, is helpful. But I think we can all recognize when we're trying to solve for uncertainty and almost laugh with ourselves about it. Because like, you obviously can't bring that down to zero. And often, I think, the more that we look to minimize uncertainty, the more we actually increase anxiety. There's only so much we can do from that side. We forget about the other side, which is just how we think about our coping abilities. Like, Mm -hmm. take this example. Like, being able to say to yourself, I might be really nauseous. I might be as nauseous. I might be more. I might feel really sick. And I might have new things come up now that I also have a kid to take care of and my podcast and my work. And you know what? I've been through hard things before and I've coped with them. And if Mm -hmm. I get into a hard time again, I actually don't know what exactly I will do, but I will cope with that. Like I am someone who can cope with hard things. Like I can name five things that I've been through in my life that were really hard. Mm-hmm. And maybe mm-hmm. all I can say is I got to the other side, but that's mm-hmm. often the only thing we can say. Mm-hmm. And just watching for your own tendency about anything. And anyone listening, there's a million things. It's like, well, what if I got fired from my job? Or, you know, what if I take my baby on a flight and they scream the whole time and we're buying like, is there an anti-screaming toy on Amazon? You know, me too. I've like Googled all the things, you know, versus just saying my baby might cry. I can cope with that. I don't know how I'll cope, but I will cope because I am someone who can get through tricky times. Our body like just loves hearing that and it needs to hear that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Second, I think another go-to like anxiety strategy for me is actually really similar to how I think about our main job with our kids, where I often Mm -hmm. think we have like two main jobs. On one side, it's boundaries. And on the other side is validation and empathy, right? So we have boundaries to keep our kids emotionally and physically safe. And then we want to empathize and validate their feelings so they kind of feel real and learn to regulate their feelings. But I actually think the same thing with anxiety. Like our anxiety needs boundaries sometimes. So if it's a frequent worry. Like, oh, I'm always worried about this. Like, I literally would come up with a schedule. Some people call these like worry windows. Like, all right, Mm -hmm. this is really pervading my thoughts. You know what? At the top of every hour for five minutes, I am fully in worry mode. And actually I get out a piece of paper, right? Mm -hmm. You know, no. And I I jot all my worries. I write, what about this? And what about this? And what about this? And I I give my worries literally my full attention, right? Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. outside that worry window, after the five minute alarm goes off, and my worries inevitably, of course, still come up. I, I literally talk to them. I'm like, hey, worries. You know what? It's 3.20, back at 4 like, o'clock. I'll see you in 40 minutes. I'll see you in 40 minutes right. and you'll get my full right. attention instead of half my attention. And really, just like when you, you know, if you do have more than one kid, it's kind of very similar. Like I'm with your brother now, you know, like you'll have my full <laughs> attention after instead of every kid always getting half of your attention. And that Mm -hmm. practice, it's almost like a discipline, I find to be a way to honor our feelings, but also Mm -hmm. actually also have boundaries around them. And now a word from one of our sponsors. Okay, so I recently did a major closet purge. I needed to make some room for some new pieces for the new season. It's springtime and it's hot. Vince Camuto was one of my first stops when searching for on-trend but timeless looks. VinceCamuto.com is a one-stop shop for wardrobe staples and occasion pieces that make every moment a chance to express your personal style. 
Their spring collection is super thoughtfully curated and crafted with premium materials and attention to even the smallest details. If you're looking to refresh your closet for spring, Vince Camuto's collection of woven mules, vibrant slides, and chic convertible handbags is a natural place to start. Lately, when styling myself, I've been grabbing the Deha Hobo bag in bone multi-croc print, and it makes me feel invincible. I recently paired it back with a monochromatic look with a suit, hoodie, and sneakers, and I felt like a very cool mom on the go. I'm also loving the Jenna Cross body bag and the Greer wallet. They're so cute, and they go with everything and great for so many occasions. Just super timeless. Head to vincecamuto.com slash podcast and use promo code podcast for 20% off your next purchase. While you're there, do yourself a favor and sign up to be a part of their VC VIP program where you can earn member perks, previews, and exclusive offers on your next accessories haul. Terms and conditions apply. Back to the chat. I don't want to neglect them, right? But I also don't want to give them so much power where they're just happening over and over and then I'm focusing on them and then that is what I think is my reality, you know? So I think that really makes sense, like making sure that you're setting boundaries with your own thoughts and with your own anxieties. Sunny will be probably like, let's say all goes as planned and part of my anxiety has been, you know, setting out all the different scenarios, like, okay, if the first implantation takes, what will the due date be? If the second one, one, I'll have to wait six weeks and then the due date will be this and Sunny will be this old. And so like, you know, I've definitely gone through those things, but have you found a five-year age difference with kids for there to be issues or for it to be harder on parents? I'm a mom of three, right? So I have multiple kids. Having multiple kids is tricky. Like it just is tricky whether they're 18 months apart or 13 months apart or eight years apart, right? And I think the question I'd ask myself is, okay, whatever age gap I have, what do I think might be some of the challenges? I often think this whenever I'm asked a question that I don't really like the answer to. Like the question of like, is that like a good age gap? Like to me, I'm like, I don't even like like the answer to that question. It's either yes or no. It just feels so binary. Right. You're asking a question to yourself even that you don't like the answer to. I really mean this. You're probably asking the wrong question. The answer is probably not to answer that question, but to just ask a different question. And the question of what will it be like to have kids five years apart? Okay, so Sonny is going to be pretty capable by then. Yeah. Right? And he's going to have this, baby sibling who's like literally not capable of doing anything, right? But lying on the floor and crying, right? So, huh, what might that be like? What might Sunny be really able to do and the baby not be able to do? And when you think about that, moving from like, is this good or bad? Or to me, parents ask me a lot with kids, like, is this normal? Right. Like, should they be doing this? Should they be doing this? I also feel like no matter what I say, okay, I'm like, yes, that is normal. Then a parent's like, okay, I don't have to think about it. Or no, it's not normal. Now I'm a horrible parent or I have a messed up kid. Like, it just- You have so much power. Yeah, like either way, I'm like, those aren't good answers versus, okay, my kid is four and they push kids, you know, whenever they have a play date, you know, is that normal? It just doesn't matter versus they are pushing. I think, is it normal? can always be replaced by what's going on for my kid. And what does my kid need? And same here. What will it be like for Sunny, especially, and you and your partner to have a five-year gap? What might Sunny need to prepare? What might you need, you know, to make things go as relatively smoothly as they possibly can? And then I think you can think about with Sunny, oh, like you might be going to your, you might be playing basketball. And we've talked about you having, I don't know, a brother or sister. And oh, let's just talk about that because you're going to be able to like dribble a basketball a little bit your sister, like, is just going to be lying there. Like, other people have a sister who might be able to pass them a ball. That's going to be different for you when we're at your basketball practice. Obviously, Mm -hmm, I'm just totally mm -hmm, making that up. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But now everyone's more empowered, right? right? Instead of us all thinking, like, is this good or bad for the system? Totally. That totally makes sense. The next thing I want to talk about is bedtime, which I'm Mm. sure is, like, a huge love. I love sleep for you. Yeah. So Sunny was a great sleeper for three years. Wonderful sleeper. We transitioned him into a big bed. And for the past year and a half, he's been in our room pretty much every night 
And we've tried various things. And right now we're kind of at the point where it's like, he comes in and he'll either fall asleep with us or one of us will go back in the room and fall asleep with him. And that's like the best case scenario. We're all able to get as much sleep as possible that way. But I'm wondering if it's just an unhealthy boundary, if like he really should be in his bed all night long. So I think there's really not a right answer to sleep. I really mm-hmm. don't. And I think there's something that parents feel like ashamed. They're like, my kid sleeps in my room. Like, sorry, like you have to apologize for that. Or to me, it just comes down to honestly for you and right. your partner. Like, does this work for us? Does it work for us now? Is there a point where it might not really work for us? So as an example, I could see a situation where you have a baby mm-hmm. and you're feeding in the middle of the night and you might be like, yeah, this just does not work for me anymore to have anyone else in my bed. Having said that, right. some parents are like, it still works for me. Like no judgment, right? So, but I think that's the question. The first like foundational thing is that sleep struggles are separation struggles. Like mm-hmm. if parents take one thing, from actually this whole podcast, in my opinion, I hope it's actually that, that like sleep struggles aren't their own thing. Like sleep is separating from your parent, usually alone in the dark for 10 to 12 hours. It's actually much longer than you separate at preschool or at a soccer class. It's a long time. That doesn't mean that you have to sleep with your kid. Again, if that works for you, that works for you. But once we start understanding that sleep struggles are separation struggles, we can actually start to think about the skills kids need to feel more comfortable, to feel safer, to feel like they're building their self-soothing muscle, to feel like there's a way to like, how can I create a situation where it's like I have mommy in the room without having mommy in the room. Now we can think about sleep from that perspective. And now there's a million things we can do when we understand like what sleep is all about, right? So sleep is about separation. So I have to say of all, I think I have like 20 plus workshops. These are my like deeper dives. And the sleep workshop is like honestly one of my favorites. I really think there's nothing else out there like it because it just starts with this different understanding. And then everything is an extension of what we know about attachment, about self-regulation, about separation, right? And so this is also going to be a workshop that like when people take it, they're like, my kids separate so much better at school. Well, yeah, because it's the same stuff, right? So I think that's the baseline. So if, let's say, first, if you want to keep sleeping with him, just like, I would say, okay, cool, moving on. Give myself permission to do that. Like, well, yeah, I mean, that thing kind of, we're like at that point, it's also, I forgot to say, it's the falling asleep part. We have to stay in the room with him until he falls asleep. And that takes like, last night, it took like two hours. Right. So that's really the painful part. That's almost worse than the waking up in the middle of the night. Because in the middle of the night, you're like up for a couple minutes. Let's take a minute to hear from a brand partner. Ladies, it's 2022. Let's be real. We all smoke weed. You know I do. It's time to elevate your stash with Sackville & Co. Sackville & Co. is a female-founded, design-forward cannabis lifestyle brand making products that beg to be displayed instead of stashed away. It has changed the cannabis and CBD accessories game with design accolades from Architectural Digest, Hype Bay, Nylon, L, InStyle, and Vogue, to name a few. They make products like pipes, grinders, and keychains. So whether you're a connoisseur or just curious, Sackville has not only beautiful products, but also a ton of information on their site to make sure you feel comfortable at whatever stage of creating your cannabis ritual you are at now. Sackville & Co. donates 5% of their sales to The Tender Project, an incredible organization working to bring a universal income to women who have been disproportionately impacted by the war on drugs. For all the Cali babes, Sackville & Co. also has recently launched pre-rolls, night haze for the chill nights in and beach days for those sunshine-filled hangs with your BFFs. So good. Follow them on Insta to find out more about where you can purchase them and use code WITHWIT25 at checkout for 25% off your first purchase. Visit www.sackville.co for more information. Follow them on Insta also at sackville.and.co and TikTok at sackville.co. 
If you love iced coffee or cold brew, you are going to freak over this. How does cold brew on tap sound to you? Wandering Bear is the best cold brew you can get without leaving your house. I never, ever want to leave my house. Currently working from home in our guest bedroom. And I also never want to leave my house to go get coffee. I always have it delivered, which is super, super, super expensive and a waste of money. They make this incredibly smooth, rich, chocolatey tasting cold brew, and it comes in a box with a tap-like boxed wine. The box keeps it fresh and makes it so convenient for you to fill up your cup in the morning. Perfect for anyone who is moving at lightning speed in the morning, trying to get the day going. It's like having a fancy coffee shop in your refrigerator. Wandering Bear is 100% organic, super strong, and extra smooth. They have six different flavors to choose from. Straight black, vanilla, caramel, mocha, hazelnut, and even decaf. Find your favorite flavor, drink, and repeat. I recently tried mocha and it is so, so, so good. Plus, they offer subscriptions so you'll never run out of coffee and it's a way better price per cup versus going to a coffee shop every day or ordering like me. Ugh, so wasteful. Anyways, Wandering Bear is a small company so you are supporting a growing business with each cup of coffee. Get 20% off your order with code WITHWIT at wanderingbear.com. Again, that's 20% off your order with code WITHWIT at Wandering Bear. Bear.com. Now back to my chat with Dr. Becky. Let's say you're like, you know what? That's not working for me anymore. And like, I would love for him to figure out a way or me to help him find a way where he can fall asleep independently, not from a place of terror and fear, but actually from a place of like learning a life skill. Like that's the point, right? So if that was like a journey you wanted to be on, first of all, and I really mean this, like you literally just have to go take the sleep workshop. It will blow okay. your mind and okay. change your life. Okay. But I'll give you a little, a couple ideas from it. Okay. But it, the whole thing's important. It just is. Like parents are always like, do I have to watch the whole thing? And I'm like, you do. Yes. Like you just do. I'm not going to bullshit you. <laughs> like you do. It's 75 minutes. Yeah. We spend 75 minutes doing other things. Prioritize it. But here's a few ideas. Number one, you have to deliver the sleep change to him. Like if you're no longer going to be staying for two hours, you don't have to go from two hours to zero. That's not what I'm saying. But we have to be a sturdy leader for our kids. Like, we don't go to them like, hey, do you want to change the way you fall asleep? Like, no, that's not being a sturdy leader. Being a sturdy leader also isn't saying, you're keeping me up. That's like, or, you know, you're the worst. That's not either. But it's saying, hey, I want to let you know something. We're going to start to work on something totally different. You know how I've been staying in your room for a long time when you fall asleep? Yeah, you know what I realized? It is tricky to fall asleep. I get that. And one of my jobs as your parent is to help you learn skills to do tricky things. And so we're going to start working on that skill starting tonight. We're going to do a little bit each day. And each time we change something, it probably is going to feel different. And different things always feel hard. But I know you're a kid who can do hard things. And I know we're going to figure this out. Like you are really showing him that you see him as capable. We have to show that to our kid before they internalize that belief about themselves. So... That's very different. I see too many parents who ask permission. Do you think you're ready to fall asleep? Like, I would never say to my two-year-old, do you think you're ready to cross the street by yourself? Like, I know he's ready or like my partner, but like, that's not his decision. I would never ask him. It's just right. not a question. And if you ask kids questions that they shouldn't be in charge of, what they really feel is they're like, oh, like, I don't have a sturdy leader here. And then they get more dysregulated. Not right. because even the separation, because they just feel like they're in charge of something they should never be in charge of. And there's so many different things in the workshop. Actually, we want to work on nighttime sleep during the day. We have to practice all the skills during the day because anxiety gotcha. is so much higher at night. It's never when we build the best skills. Here's a couple things I do right away. I would tell Sunny a story about sleep struggles you had when you were younger. It was mm -hmm. so powerful to kids to know that they weren't alone. And I wouldn't make it perfect. Not like one day I had trouble falling asleep and then the next day I did it. Like, no, that's not helpful. But like, yeah, falling asleep was tricky for me too because it's night. And then I worked on some things with my parents and it did take me time, but I really figured it out. And I kind of know what that's like. It just level sets. It makes a kid feel like they're not the only one. And when you feel less alone in anything, it is always easier. Always, always, always. So I just do that randomly at some point during the day. Okay, I love that. Then I'd give Sunny something. I'll give an example. Something to hold on to that feels like you. So for me, 
a mantra is huge, like for my kids, for so many things, but definitely for sleep. So for Sun, you'd be something like this. You know, falling asleep, one of the things that's tricky about it is you have to figure out a way for your body to kind of feel safe and calm, which can be hard when you're in the dark. Well, have you ever heard of a word called a mantra? Kids love learning. Have you ever, isn't that a mm-hmm. funny word? Well, a mantra is just something simple you say to yourself over and over and we can make one up. Or I heard my friend and their kid, they say something like this. And this is literally the mantra all my kids use. Mm-hmm. Mommy is near. Sunny is safe. My bed is cozy. And I think there's a sing-songy aspect that just helps with regulation, right? So it'd be like, mommy is near, sunny is safe, my bed is cozy. And just start making this part of your bedtime routine, even practicing it during the day. So it's 3 p.m. on a Saturday. Like, Remember how nighttime can be tricky? Let's practice this because this is going to be something we do. Okay, it's nighttime. Kids will think it's funny Mm -hmm. because it's not. Okay, we're going to go to bed. You're going to say, and I'm going to help you say the same thing I said to myself when I was four and a half. Mommy is near, Sunny is safe, my bed is cozy. Because if you think about him trying to fall asleep, or really, you can't make yourself fall asleep, just trying to feel safe, and you're out of the room, think about the vacuum in his body. It's just like he could tell himself a million things. He sees a million images, right? But if you have mantras take a big moment and give you like a hyper focus, right? So if he is then able to say, oh, right. Like mommy is near, sunny is safe, my bed is cozy. It quiets some of the fears because he has something that's known that gives him mastery and actually is linked to you. Because if you tell him, it's almost like a version of you Mm -hmm. helping Mm -hmm. soothe him. I love that. So I would start there. There's literally a million other things. But I would start there in terms of you sharing that you're going to help him build the skill. Mm -hmm. In terms of kind of like getting in that experience with him by sharing like some sleep struggle you had and starting with a mantra. I think those are like three awesome things to start with. Okay, for sure. The next big question is about fighting in front of them. Mm. We obviously try not to fight in front of him. If anything, we can have a few words and then we'll be like, okay, we need to do this later. But I wanted to just discuss like how to talk to him about that. You go to like right to the core of the best topics. You really okay, do. Good. You do, you do, you do, you do. So, okay, a couple things. Two things are true. I really think this is like a two things are true situation. We want to reduce the amount of fighting with our spouse in front of our kids. And it is inevitable to have moments of escalated fighting in front of our kids. Like good parents fight in front of their kids. Like it's just true. I fight in front of my kids. I don't want to. And it happens. So anyone who feels that like guilt, just like say hi to it. Allow it to like sit in the backseat and Mm -hmm. keep listening. So let's first talk about what to do. I think you and your partner, yeah, developing a word that is like, a fail-safe word. Whoever says it, it's the truth. It's like pineapple, it's a seltzer, something random. And if either of you say seltzer, it's like conversation is over. And the other person, mm-hmm. if they're like, I'm not even that upset. Like, it doesn't matter. That's the truth, right? That is so important. And even to introduce that, if someone's listening and thinking like, I don't even know how to like introduce that concept to my partner. They're going to get defensive. The way I'd say it is like, hey, you know what I realize? You and I both get upset about things. Things can escalate. I think we both know that's not great for our kids. That's scary for them. It's neither of our fault. We're on the same team. Why don't we create a funny word together, something kind of ridiculous, that if either of us says it, it really means let's talk about this when the kids are at the house, right? So just, there's no blame. It's not like, hey, you yell. Nope, 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 nope. Not effective, right? You're on the same team. We really are. So I would do that. Sounds like you guys have already done that. Mm -hmm. What happens after we have that moment? Mm -hmm. We have to talk to our kids. Yeah, And I'm going to say this because you have to talk to your kids and anyone listening who's thinking, because this is so normal and I've had so many of these conversations, they're like, but my kid like doesn't even seem to notice. Like they're fine. They're watching TV or, you know, I'm with them later. And it's not like they say like, is everything okay? Right? Right. It doesn't matter. This is why, okay? The experiences around us, anything we experience gets absorbed into our body. Like as it should. We absorb experience. It happens, right? Mm-hmm. Either you go talk to your kid about that experience they witnessed or you leave that experience alone in their body without explanation, without understanding, without the elements that help kids feel safe, which is connection and warmth and essentially telling your kid, it's never your fault when we fight. Now, I know a lot of parents are like, why would my kid think it's 
you know, their fault. Like, why would I put that idea in their head? Well, it all goes along with the importance of talking to your kid. When kids have distress in their body, when something doesn't feel good, and inherently doesn't feel good when they witness their two security figures arguing, it kind of makes them think like, oh, is my world safe right now, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When they have an experience in their body that they register with distress and nobody does come talk to them about it, they're left with kind of two options to understand it, self-doubt and self-blame. Self-doubt sounds like, did that really happen? I mean, if my parents really were arguing, probably someone would have like, talk to me about it. I don't know. I probably didn't perceive that right. I don't think there's any parent who says, you know, the circuit I want to wire for my kid when they're 21, doubting their own feelings and feeling like they're not really able to understand the things around them. I I just don't know one parent who'd say that. So Mm -hmm. we don't want Mm self-doubt. Self-blame sounds like this. If I only was like a better kid, that would never happen. Mm -hmm. And why would a kid go there even if it doesn't quote make sense? Well, as long as a kid takes on blame, they feel like they can control a better outcome. It's almost Mm -hmm. odd. So like, if not, then they're like, well, I didn't do anything wrong, but just not so great things happen. And I'm alone with that feeling. And that's helpless. And I don't understand it. That is so unbearable to a kid. Mm -hmm. So we don't want our kids to have practice in self-blame and self-doubt. So what that means are words like this. Simple. Doesn't have to be like a, you know, half an hour, you know, session with your kid. Hey, earlier, you noticed dad and I arguing about who took out the trash. A couple things. You're safe. Our family's safe. It's never your fault. When we yell, we both love you. And we're both working on ways to talk to each other when we're upset that don't involve yelling. Just like you have big feelings that sometimes come out in certain ways, so do we. And we're all working on that. Mm -hmm. Not only does that totally reduce the likelihood that that experience gets encoded with self-blame or self-doubt, mm-hmm. but it actually models something so important for your kid. People love each other and they argue. And when they argue, they repair. And we're able to recognize the stuff we're working on and just name it out loud. Arguably, you've now had a moment that's like really important for your child. Let's take a minute to hear from a brand partner. When I think of spring, I think about how I can approach my everyday life with a lighter and fresher mindset, out with the old and in with the new. And as you know, I've been learning a lot about gut health and sharing the various resources I found. Our gut health can be reflected in our physical and emotional well-being. Interestingly enough, feeling stressed, bloated, or inflamed is all tied to your gut health so crazy, right? Like seriously, this still blows my mind. It really gives you a different perspective on what you are putting in your body. Keen Health's Gut Microbiome Testing Kit is the perfect tool to give you the inside scoop of what's actually happening inside your body, all from the comfort of your own home. Keen Health will give you a complete analysis of the health of your gut microbiome and how it may be affecting your overall health and wellness. Gut Plus will also give insight into your probiotic, prebiotic, and vitamin needs. Such a great tool to use while navigating such a saturated space. The best thing you can do for your gut is to stop guessing and start testing. Keen Health is offering 20% off with code WIT. Visit keenhealth.com. That's K-E-A-N-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com. And you can get 20% off at keenhealth.com with code WIT. Now back to the episode. What would you say right now is something that people are asking you the most about? You know, I think what I hear a lot from parents is like, I know what I don't want to do. Like, I have such a clear idea of what I don't want to do as a parent. And I even know, like, I don't really want to give a time out. Like, I don't want to threaten my kids. I don't, like, want to, like, sticker chart my kids through their whole way of childhood. Like, I know that doesn't feel right. Like, yeah. but, like, I don't really know what to do instead a lot of the times. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think I hear that from parents a lot. (laughs) And... I think that one of the worst feelings, maybe the worst feeling as a parent, is that confusion. Because people ask me, like, are you are you putting forth an idea of parenting? Like, parents can win and be perfect and, you know, things like that. And I don't think I'm doing that. But it's interesting. When I think about a parenting win, okay, it has nothing to do with the kid's behavior. It has to do with having clarity of your role. It has to do with, in a tough moment with your kid, being like, I just know what my job is. So, like... Uh-huh. I do think, and that goes along with 
well, I know what to do. Okay. And like, that's the worst feeling is when you're just like, I don't know what to do. If you know what to do as a parent in a situation, you actually aren't that thrown by your kid having a tantrum. It's right. incredibly inconvenient, very unenjoyable, and a huge like twist to your day. Don't get me wrong. I'm not like celebrating during a tantrum. But if you're able to say to yourself, I know what to do right now, that actually feels like a massive win for parents. And I feel like parents who are in the kind of good inside community and the membership, like what they say all the time is they're like, it's so interesting. Yes, my child's behavior actually has improved dramatically, but it's so at the bottom of my list of like the things that have changed. Like the thing that has changed the most is I feel like sturdier. I feel like I know what I'm doing. I feel like I can tolerate when they're upset with me. I feel like I can ask for things that I need. And I feel like I can take up space. And I feel like I just know how to instill confidence in my kid, right? And that feeling, I think, is what we're all looking for, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that what's amazing, I feel like right now in the parenting world, is I think there are a lot of parents who are saying, like, I don't want to do some of that stuff that people talk about, you know? And I just don't. And then there is this moment of like a little bit of angst of like, okay, I know what I don't want to do, but I don't, I haven't quite filled, <laughs> filled that like vacuum yet, right. yet. And then the process of filling that, I think is something I truly feel so honored to be just on that journey with so many parents. And also honestly now have a way to connect those parents with each other because there's just nothing like connection and community and going through this. And that's the thing I think both I hear most and is like the most rewarding. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that it comes down to the education though. Like you were talking about of like knowing the words to say when yes. something like that happens or like yes. knowing the steps to take. Like when I learned that when Sonny was having a temper tantrum that for him, like his whole brain was turning red and he wasn't going to be hearing anything that I was saying to him. And so that was the time for me to completely back off and let him like feel his feelings and say like, mommy is here for you when you need her but I know you need to feel your feelings right now. And like, once I learned that, it's so true. Like one, the tantrums don't even really happen as much, maybe because he's getting a little bit older. He's almost five. But also I think because we gave him that space and we had like consistency in how we dealt with it, it just, it lessened. I mean, a hundred percent. That's exactly, and that's what we want. Like if any of us now are thinking about like having a hard time, like really having a hard moment, like, what do you want from your friend or your partner? Is like, you kind of just want someone there who's like, I'm able to be yeah. with you through this. I believe kind of like the same thing with like the faith we need to have that our kids can learn a new skill and sleep or anything. Like having someone next to you when you're having a hard time, if they're able to communicate, like I see you're having a hard time and I'm not scared of it. Like I'm here with you. So it can't be that bad. I kind of know what's going right. to end if I'm tolerating this. That's so regulating to us, right? And that that's totally what our kids need too. It's so true. Everybody needs that. It's so yes. true. Okay. So before you go, I just want to hear all about your Good Inside membership and everything else that you're doing on Instagram and all the exciting things that you're working on. I mean, so you're catching me and I'm so glad I was able to have this talk with you. Like same, literally two same. days after the launch of something that's seriously been 18 months in the making. And oh my it's, goodness. it's something that it honestly came from so much frustration. I was like, why is it that like I can go to Google and find out the answers to like questions that I actually don't care about, but I can find it out right away. But if you're a parent and you want to like get guidance that you trust to actually help your kid in the moment or help your kid with something they're struggling with or just help yourself feel like a better parent, there's no resource. Like, how is that? So I literally, it was like two years ago, right after I started Instagram, I just knew it. I was like, I want to create like a couple things, but one component's gonna be like Netflix for parenting. Like I can go to Netflix and get anything I want from a million different categories or Peloton for exercise. Why isn't there kind of a Peloton for parenting that instead of like cycle and, you know, yoga and this, it was tantrums, sibling, couples communication, reparenting, fears and anxiety. And then there were all the resources. So I was like, okay, so our membership literally has that. It literally has a digital library of like all the videos are like under five minutes because let's be real, often don't have more time than that. There mm-hmm. are so many printable scripts, just like you said, because we're asked about that all the time. They are beautifully designed. They are printable. You can organize them by category. I want all the scripts on tantrums, all the scripts on fears and anxiety, all the scripts on siblings, whatever it is, including preparing for a sibling. You can Got go it. on you know the topic that you're looking for and then just say how much time you have 
and whether you want it. So for example, the topic sleep. Sleep is an entire topic. You can be sleep, five minutes, article. Sleep, five minutes, video, right? So scripts, all of that. Mm -hmm. Plus, all of my workshops are in the library. I'm going on 20 workshops. They're all there because when parents say to me, and <laughs> which one do I want to start with? I have sleep. Well, probably the sleep workshop. But honestly, the kids' fear and anxiety always goes hand in hand. Probably the adult anxiety workshop. So instead of like nickel and diming people and saying like, I want people to take all the workshops. I really do. Because if you're trying to say to yourself, well, what do I do instead of the stuff I don't want to do? We have to empower ourselves. We have to ourselves. learn all these new things. Over time, yeah. not all at once, right? And right. I think we all know like today our kid has a sleep problem. You know what? In a couple of months, it's going to be a different problem the because phase. they're humans, right? So exactly. that's just the digital library. But that's not all because I really believe and I've learned so much over my Instagram journey that it can be you alone watching a workshop or a video in your house. But when you learn something new, you're so likely, all of us, to get overwhelmed, to have a follow-up question or, and I think this is a big one, feel kind of shame of like, oh, I can't believe I used to do things in a different way. And so learning something new really makes you likely to shut down and turn away from change because all those right. feelings are overwhelming. And the only thing that allows learning something new to instead lead to change, I actually think is being in a community with other people who remind you essentially like you're a good person. I've been there too. So there's no piece of content in our membership that's not embedded in a community. The community is beyond active. Like the members are from, I would even say name a country. We now are in every continent, but Antarctica. So you <sighs> also, and I really mean that, Nigeria, Dubai, you know, the Netherlands, Sweden, Guatemala, Australia, New Zealand, you know, everywhere. The parents up, no matter what time you're up, there's a parent there. <laughs> and these are people who share your basic values in parenting, right? And so it's just such a rich resource. Plus over the last year, I've really manualized my approach to parenting and trained our first cohort of good inside coaches. And they're Amazing. also in the community. And in the community are people doing extra talks about nutritionists, doulas, various other parenting coaches. So it's really a one-stop parenting hub for the resources, community, and connection and bringing it all together. And I'm there. It's where I'm like literally living because I'm obsessed with it. Amazing. And I really hope it's, I feel like already it's been game-changing for members. I just can't wait. It's going to be really like co-created, right? Like people say, oh, I wish there was a video on this idea that I have of like a perfect girl voice for perfectionists. We made the video. It's now in the library because people want it. So it's like a living, responsive library. That's so cool. And so, yeah, yeah. so that's what it's about. I I love it. I love it. I can't wait to get mm -hmm. on it. It's really amazing because I think parenting is definitely the one thing people are like, oh, we'll just figure it out as we go. And you don't really realize that it's kind of like one of the most, if not the most important thing that you do in your life. And it's like, how did I not go to at least four years of school in order to do this? You know what I mean? Like we go to school to like do our job and our job doesn't mean as much to us as our kids. Like why aren't we focusing more on learning all this stuff? And I think sometimes our anxieties as parents come from not knowing. So you're just doing a such a huge service. That's exactly right. And I think, look, any parent listening, let me just say also, I should have said this in the beginning, like, yeah, all the stuff I tell you, like, don't think I like do that with my own kids all the time. Well, I was going <laughs> to Don't ask, be under any like, illusions. The... <laughs> yeah. I wish, like, I bet people are always like, I wish I could be a fly on the wall in your house. You know right? what they would see? This is always so interesting to me. Like, I'll describe a situation, right? Like one kid screaming, the other kids like pouring the milk out all over and you have to be in two places. What do you do? And people be like, you have a camera in my house. And I'm like, well, wait, that's your interpretation? You didn't think, wow, Dr. Becky's house sounds just like my house. Like the only reason I came up with that situation is because it literally happened in my house like a minute ago. I have You're three right. kids. They're normal kids. Like this is a bigger point, but if we want our kids to be prepared for adulthood and to have coping skills for things like frustration and jealousy and disappointment and anger, opportunity we have to build those skills is by our kids feeling those feelings early on. Like, I don't know about mm -hmm. you. I don't know any adult who's like, my parents were the best parents. They got rid of frustration and anger and jealousy. And since I turned 18, <laughs> I've just never, ever felt them. How was your childhood? No, but I do know 18-year-olds and honestly 50-year-olds whose coping skills basically look like a two-year-old because mm -hmm. I don't think it's even anyone's fault explicitly but if we don't look at childhood as my kid is supposed to feel angry, they're supposed to be overwhelmed by frustration. They're supposed to have a hard time. That's my bang for my buck moment. Now I can get in and think about 
how to help them build the skills that, yes, are going to help in the short term, but even more importantly, are going to help in all the years when they're out of my house, when the stakes are so much higher. So I want my kid to have a tantrum. I want my kid to have meltdowns. I want my kid to say, I hate you. You're the worst mom because I just like said they had to end screen time because that's really a way of saying I'm upset because now I can look at them in my good moments and be like, okay, how can I help my kid in the moment? But also outside those moments, what is my kid kind of telling me they need my help with? Where do they need to build coping skills? And that's why I think we got to look long-term. Like all those moments now that are hard, those are the opportunities to build kids who are confident and resilient and who can actually deal with adult life. I think that's so important. Realizing that those tough emotions are inevitable in our lives. And yes, it's our job as parents to be able to help them deal with those. And first, we kind of also, it's very important for us to maybe relearn how to deal with them too. But thank you so, so, so much. Where can everybody go to become a member? Yeah, come find me or if membership feels like a big thing, you know, come check me out on Instagram. I have a free weekly email I send out on Thursdays. I hesitate to call it a newsletter because I too, I'm like, oh, who needs a newsletter? It's just content. It's scripts. It's situations that come up. I promise you, I don't know if we've had any people unsubscribe. It's just useful. I really cannot contain my excitement about thinking and writing about these things. So it's just, I I write too much to put on Instagram. So it just is an outlet. So, and my podcast, right? So my podcast also has so much content. And if you're looking to kind of almost like take that next step, have access to all the workshops and that library and really connect with other parents and coaches. And then I think the membership is a great option. I should also say, I really hope no one buys any of my single workshops anymore because membership just makes so much more financial sense. Right. And so, and I wanted to set it up that way because Mm -hmm. I just think it's the thing parents need. So all of it can Mm -hmm. be found at goodinside.com. And thank you so much. And if anybody who's still listening to this, like my hope really is that like, everyone just like takes a moment. We rarely do this to ourselves. Like I just listened to this podcast. I spent time like caring and thinking about my family and my kids and myself. I could have been like, I don't know. I could have been like watching some random Netflix show. Like I could have just been like doing something, you know, something different. Like I just- Chilling. Yeah. Yeah. Like that means something about me. That means something about the type of parent I am. And just really give yourself credit because I feel like we're so hard on ourselves. We don't do that enough. Mm-hmm. And so maybe we can mm-hmm. just end on like that like note of like, no. I'm, I'm enough right now. I'm doing enough. I completely agree. I think it's really important to focus on the things that you have done today versus the things that you haven't gotten to. I think at the end of the day, it's so easy for us to immediately be like, oh, I didn't get to that and I didn't get to that. Then all of a sudden you list all the things that you actually did and you're like, whoa, but I had a majorly productive day. And if you shift that mindset... Yeah, really powerful. So thank you for the insight. I can't wait to become a member and we'll definitely be in touch. 100%. Talk soon. Okay. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you loved this episode. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. I'd love to hear what you think and anything more or even less you'd want to hear about. Tune in every Tuesday for a new episode. If you want to know more about what I'm up to, you can find me on Instagram at Whitney E. Port, my website, WhitneyPort.com, and my YouTube channel, Whitney Port. Peace in the streets.